Well, good morning. It is good to be with you in the house of the Lord. Uh, my name is Drew Flam, and uh, I just want to say welcome back to all of you who went somewhere warm on spring break. Our family stayed here. It was awesome. Uh, there was no rain um, here. We, uh, we really enjoyed the sledding, um, and we enjoyed uh, making snowmen. So we would just really love it if you'd post all of your pictures of warm, sunny places that you went. That would just that would make our, our hearts feel great. So, no, welcome back. Thank you for being here uh, and being with us this morning. We're going to continue our series, Royals, this morning. Royals. And, and what we're looking at is who are we at our core identity? Be- before we start talking about all the things that we're supposed to do or, or all the things that we're not supposed to do, who are we? If you were to take away my bio, who would I be? If you were to take away my bank account and my family and and my home, think of those in Ukraine. Who would I be at the end of the day? And this morning, we're going to be looking at the fact, the fact that if you are a daughter or a son of King Jesus, then you are a citizen of heaven, a citizen of heaven. Um, One of the things we love here at Mission Point is our missional community. Uh, We have the best missional community. You may be a part of one. Ours is better. Um, And one of the things we love about our missional community is the diversity of those that are in it. Um, We have Kate, who was born in Kenya. Uh, We have Maria, who was born in Argentina. Uh, My son, Jaden, was born in Ethiopia. Um, Kyle, Pastor Kyle's in our group. I didn't know if you know this, but uh, he's from Lima, Ohio. Um, That place is different. Place is different. So we we have a breadth of folks who are in our missional community. Well, in the last year, both Maria and Kate have earned their U.S. citizenship. And we're really proud of them and all the work that they have done. Mountains of paperwork, a lot of waiting, a big test that they had to take, and they passed it with flying colors, pun intended. Um, They have done an amazing job to earn their citizenship. And so a couple months ago, we were at, at our missional community and we said, well, like, tell us some of the questions that you had to take on this test. Uh, tell us, like, what did you have to know? And we quickly realized that we're thankful that us who were born here don't have to take that test in order to keep our citizenship because they passed, we failed. And so uh, since we're talking about citizenship, um, I thought I'd give you a little pop quiz this morning. It can be a group quiz. And uh, I'm going to share with you a couple of the questions that Maria and Kate uh, got and that I got wrong. Okay. So if you know the answer, just shout it out here this morning. We'll see um, if you all are, are good on your U.S. history. Okay. So uh, here's the first one. How many amendments does the Constitution have? 27. Name them all. No, I'm kidding. No. Uh, good job. Well done. 27. Yes, 27. Good job. All right. Here's this. I got that one wrong. Here's the second one I got wrong. Who was the president during World War One? Anybody? Woodrow Wilson. I heard it. Woodrow Wilson. Here's how you remember this. Kate taught me. World War One, Woodrow Wilson. Okay, so you got all the W's there. Uh, next time you have a U.S. history test, you will get that one right. All right, this last one, I actually got this one right, but I, I, I'm bringing it up for all of your benefit, or at least some of you. Um, when is the last day you can send in federal income tax forms? 
April 15th, which is five days away. And some of you procrastinators need to get with it because you've got five days to get those taxes in. Yes, yes. Well, both Kate and Maria, they studied hard and they earned their citizenship. But this morning, uh, what we're talking about is being a citizen of heaven. And here's the thing about being a citizen of heaven. You and I have done nothing to earn it. Uh, There is no 100 question quiz. When you get to those pearly gates, Peter's not standing there with a list of questions that you have to answer correctly before you get in. Last week, Pastor Kyle taught us that our father, our dad, he loves us so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us so that we could be a citizen of heaven. And there is only one test question. Do you believe and trust in Jesus? Do you believe and trust in him as your savior? That is the only question. And here's the thing about becoming a citizen of heaven. Oh, there is so many eternal glories that we get to consider. But when you become a citizen of heaven, the moment you answer that question, the moment you receive all the blessings. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, If you can, turn or tap to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at verses 17 through 21 Uh, The verses will be up on the screen, but if you have a copy of God's word, I'd encourage you to open it and and look at your own. We're going to dive right in here and look at what Paul has to say in verse 17. And here's how he starts. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. Okay, I'm going to stop us right here because I read that and I immediately had some questions. Uh, First of all, why is Paul pointing to himself? Like, imitate me, follow me, do do what I do. Like, that's a bit arrogant for me, maybe a little narcissistic. That's the stuff cults are made of, right? The person who says, follow me, follow me, follow me. So immediately I read this and I'm like, "I've, I've got some questions, Paul. And it's important we get some context here. We get back up to the beginning of Philippians chapter three in the first eight verses to understand why Paul would say something like that. In the first eight verses of Philippians 3, we first see Paul laying out his resume, and Paul had an impeccable resume. He had the right parents. He had an Ivy League education in Hebrew. He was a good communicator. He looked the part. I mean, Instagram check next to his name, swipe right. This guy had it all. As my kids would say, he was the Hebrew goat. And not only that, he was a Roman citizen too. I mean, this guy's LinkedIn profile was on fire. It was impeccable. And what we see then in the first part of Philippians in verses seven and eight, we see and we know that Paul had an encounter on the road to Damascus that changed everything. It changed everything. And so verses seven and eight of Philippians three say say this, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Paul takes out this resume he just talked about and he holds it up in front of them and he just rips it to shreds. 
and he throws it in the garbage. He takes out that Instagram profile and all those followers and he just rips it to shreds and throws it away. He, he takes out his citizenships and he just rips them to shreds and throws them apart. And then we get back to verse 17. And then we hear Paul say, imitate me, follow me. He is saying, imitate and follow my sold out passion for Jesus Christ. Paul starts off by giving the Philippians a greater calling, a greater calling. See, it's important to understand some of uh, Paul's background, but it's also important to understand some of the background of the Philippians. The Philippians lived in Philippi, and this is who Paul is writing to. And Philippi was considered a a mini Rome. Uh, It it was really an, an outpost, a military outpost for Rome. In fact, many who were retired military soldiers from Rome would retire in Philippi. Uh, This was like the villages of the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire was a big deal, right? The Roman Empire covered three continents, 20% of the world's population. I mean, powerful, powerful place. And here's the retirement community of Philippi, this really nice outpost, a mini Rome, you could say. They had all the privileges of being as a citizen of Rome. It was a good place to live. And here Paul is saying, hey, from one guy who had it all to all of you in your privilege, follow me as I follow Christ. Dispose of all of your comforts. You rip up your resume. Get rid of your citizenship. It is not as good as a greater calling I have for you. And that is to follow Christ. Because in following Christ, not only do you have a right relationship with God, but you have an eternal hope, an eternal joy. It is a great exchange. So what might God be calling you from? And what might he be calling you to? Um, Maybe he's calling you from fear. You, You fear the world as it is, Ukraine seems crazy, the, the political atmosphere, everything is unsettling. And you wonder if the free America that you've always known and enjoyed is going to exist. And Paul says, maybe, maybe not. I got something better for you. Uh, maybe you've got a, a nice retirement nest egg built up. The future looks secure, nice, stable job. You're feeling good. You're a student, you're getting the good grades, you got the right connections, the future feels secure. And Paul would say, that's fine. Might not be as secure as you think. I got something better for you. Uh, Maybe it's your family. You come from the right family. You take some pride in in that last name that you have and and what your parents do. Or or maybe you're a parent and you take pride in your students' accomplishments or your grandkids. They're just the best and they're living a great life and you're so proud of them and you take a lot of pride in that name. And, And Paul would say, birth certificate's nice. I got something better for you. In fact, uh, The word garbage there in the first eight verses at the end, I consider them garbage. 
it really can be translated a couple different ways. Um, one way is rubbish, but really probably the best way to translate it is dumb. Um, if you need some more explanation, uh, Pastor Jeff has taken more Greek than I have, and so you can send your kids over to, to have him explain a little bit more of what that means. But, but here, literally, he's saying all of that, your, your status, your, your, your citizenship, your, your bank account, it, it's, like, it's like rubbish, it's garbage, it's dumb. You've been called to something so much greater, following Christ. And we together have been called to something so much better, so much bigger, something with eternal significance, someone with eternal significance, following Christ. Paul first gives the Philippians a greater calling. Let's hop back into Philippians chapter three and get back to verse 17 here. And I'm, I'm gonna continue reading verses 18 and 19 as well. It says this, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Uh, Paul first gives the Philippians a greater calling, and then he also gives them a greater craving, a greater craving. Did you see there in verses 18 and 19, what does an enemy of Christ look like? How would you identify someone headed for eternal destruction? They crave earthly, temporary pleasure. Uh, They crave that which satisfies the earthly body. They crave the temporary fame of this world. And apparently this can be pretty attractive because Paul says here, Philippians, I've told you this before and I'm gonna tell you again and and often when I have to tell you this, I have to tell you through tears. That means, wow, this must be a temptation that is real for each of them and probably real for each of us. And it makes sense, right? Right? I mean, if this tiny little life is all that we have to live for, live it up. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. If it looks good, eat it as much as you want. If it tastes good, drink it as much as you want. If it gives you that dopamine hit, post it. Who cares who it hurts or discourages or disappoints? If it's just temporary, watch it. But Paul gives an alternative. He says, instead of focusing on this temporary, earthly pleasure, Paul says, do as I have done and set your mind on things above. Crave eternal things. Colossians 3, 2 through 3 says this, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. If you have answered that one question, then the old you is gone. And there is a new you that exists for eternity. And that new you has hope for today and hope for tomorrow. I remember uh, as a kid in church, 
um, some of the senior saints um, would often talk about their desire to go to heaven, how excited they were to see Jesus. Uh, you know, the song, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. And I remember as a kid hearing that and be like, I'm not sure I'm ready to hear that song for eternity. I'm, I'm not sure the whole church choir thing for eternity is for me. I mean, I like my recess. I like my ESPN. I, I like my sports. I like my candy. I mean, I got some stuff to live for here on earth. And I knew I was supposed to crave heavenly things and be excited about heaven. But uh, to be honest, the earthly stuff sounded more good to me as a kid. But as I've grown older, the realities of this life hitting more and more, I get it a little bit more. I still don't want the church choir for eternity thing, but, but I get it a little bit more. The more I see my sin, the more I've tried to satisfy with earthly cravings and come up empty, uh, the more I see sin around me and destruction, the more my body doesn't quite work as well as it used to, the more I grow just, just a little bit more ready. The harder life gets, and the more I lean into my relationship with Jesus and into his word, the more I see just a little bit more, crave just a little bit more of what that eternal significance means. Our cravings reveal our heart. Do you crave heavenly realities more than earthly pleasure? Um, the last few months, I've tried something that I haven't really done much before, which is um, fasting from food. And uh, I've done it for health and, and spiritual reasons. And, and I tried it out. And man, I didn't know how much I loved carbs. I mean, uh, I, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm just like, I want carbs. I want carbs. I want carbs. By 6 o'clock, nobody in my family wants to be around me because I am just running around looking for any donut there may be anywhere. I mean, I'm just, I'm not enjoyable to be around. I'm not excited to be around. I'm just lazy because I want some carbs. But you know what else I've fasted from before? And I'll use fasted in air quotes. I've fasted from prayer before. I've fasted from God's word before. I've fasted from relationship with other believers before. And sometimes, to be honest, I didn't miss it as much. I've not always missed my relationship with Jesus the same way I missed food. And that says something about my heart. Because the more I recognize my own depravity, the more life gets hard, the more I lean into my relationship with him, the more I crave, like I want to donut, being with him. Being with him now and forever. The truth is my life has probably just been too easy. I haven't had enough hard stuff to make me recognize the eternal impact of a savior who loves me so much that he only can provide me hope. Brother and sister, God has a greater calling for us. He has a greater craving for us. And now we get to the crux of our passage this morning. He has a greater kingdom for us. 
He has a greater kingdom for us. Okay, first I want to recognize that kingdom does not start with a C like the other two. Uh, My alliteration game is not quite condo level yet, but uh, go with me here. Kingdom still sounds the same. He has a greater kingdom for us. Look at verse 20 and 21 in Philippians 3. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Why endure the hardship of a greater calling? Why deny yourself the earthly benefits for a greater craving? Because I'm not living for this world because you are not living for this world. If you are a son or a daughter of the king, your citizenship is secure in heaven. The closer you get to me, the more you should recognize that I'm not from around here. I'm not from this place. The closer I get to you, the more I should say, I don't think you're from around here. Tell me about it. Um, Have you ever taken a vacation or a work trip that didn't go so well? Kind of hoping some of you had a spring break like that, honestly. But uh, uh, have you ever had one of those before, those that didn't go well? For me, it's been work trips. Sometimes my work trips just seem to go horribly wrong. I remember I had one. um, I forgot my wallet. Had to go back home, came back, missed my flight, got to where I was going, missed some meetings, there was traffic, I got sick, I forgot cash for tolls. I mean, everything just went wrong. And I remember just thinking, help me get through this because then I get to go home. Push through, push through because I get to go home. Well, that's kind of what this life is like. Uh, this life is a, is a trip. It's a, a mission trip that God has given us here and now to make Christ known. But, you know, to be honest, things go wrong. Uh, there's sickness, there's stress, there's strife, there's sin. And frankly, we feel often out of control and just plain tired. But remember, you get to go home. You're soon headed home. The Savior is coming And we can live with that eternal hope and that eternal joy right now because we know we get to go home. Matt Harmon in his commentary on Philippians said this, when we believers find little or no longing for our heavenly home, it is likely because we have become too comfortable in this world. If we as citizens of heaven are not longing for our future home with our Savior, then we've gotten too comfortable here. We have it too easy. I don't know about for you, but for me, as sleep gets harder and my body doesn't work like it used to and I see the sin more and more in me and more and more around me, I'm starting to get it a little bit more. I'm ready for a new body. I'm ready for a new home. And I am ready for a new king, King Jesus. I think about the young people with us, uh, college students and, and high school students, and, and I didn't get it then. I, I didn't see it then. And, 
And I hope you can get it before I did. But I'm also brokenhearted when I see even more recently the, the suicide rates and the depression rates of our high school students and our, and our young adults. And you need to know something. That this is not your home. This place will always disappoint you. But heaven, heaven will never disappoint you. You can persevere through today because you have hope for tomorrow. And this brings us to Palm Sunday. You may say, what does this have to do with Palm Sunday, with the beginning of the Holy Week? Everything. I was thinking about it this week. What does citizenship in heaven have to do with Palm Sunday? Well, it plays out so clearly in the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. From Jesus' perspective, he was going into Jerusalem to obey his father straight into the heart of Jerusalem so that he could die on the cross. He was going there so that he could be resurrected. He was going there so he could bring about Easter. He was going there so that the curtain would tear in two and heaven would come to earth. He was going there to secure our eternal home. But that's not how the crowd saw it. They saw it much differently. The famous Palm Sunday passage is Matthew 21. And it's really written from the perspective of the crowd. Here's what it says in Matthew 21, verses 8 through 11. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. What did the crowd see? The crowd saw an earthly prophet from an earthly place. They saw a man who had performed miracles and and who was always talking about the kingdom of God. And surely he was coming to overthrow the Roman Empire so that they could take their rightful place as the owners of Jerusalem. So that the holy city of God would be theirs once more. And they could live in harmony and peace here on earth. The people were pumped. I mean, they were so excited about this. And they were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Lord, save us. But what did they want to be saved from? They wanted to be saved from their earthly rulers and from their earthly problems. But that's not what Jesus was there for. He was there for so much more. His, his eyes were set so much higher. His love was set so much higher. Jesus was not riding in on a donkey in order to take over as an earthly ruler. No, he was coming to willingly hand himself over to be killed, to be murdered, so that he could defeat sin and death, to show that he is the servant king, to show that he is the son of man and the son of God, and that he is the rightful ruler of an eternal kingdom. What the people were shouting was good. We praise you, Jesus. You're the promised one. We bless you, Jesus. You were sent by the Father. Jesus, you are the Savior sent from heaven. They wanted to be rescued, just not from the right thing. They wanted Jesus to rescue them from their earthly political rulers, 
But Christ was coming to Jerusalem on a donkey because he had something so much greater. And I think sometimes the Jesus I want is the Jesus that helps me today with my problems in this short life that I have. The Jesus I want is is the one that will rescue me from my pains or from my disappointments here and now. And Jesus is here for that. But he's here for so much more. In this world, you will have trouble, but he has overcome the world. Bright hope for today, much brighter hope for tomorrow. Jesus came riding in on that donkey to give us a greater calling. Have you passed the ultimate citizenship test? Have you asked Jesus, the one who willingly came to give himself for you, to be your Lord and Savior? Have you received the righteousness that comes from God through faith in Jesus? Jesus came riding in on that donkey to give you a greater craving. Like me, are you easily distracted by the pleasures and pursuits of this world? The pursuits that leave us disappointed, the pleasures that only leave us wanting more. There's a better thing to crave, a better relationship to crave, a soul-satisfying Savior who rules in heaven and wants a relationship with you. Jesus rode in on that donkey to bring us a greater kingdom. And Jesus was ultimately bringing God's kingdom to us. He defeated sin and death on the cross. And as Philippians tells us, he is bringing everything under his control. Everything. Does your life feel chaotic and uncertain? He is bringing that under his control. Your sin maybe seems too much, your hurts too deep. He is bringing that under his control. Your sickness too much, your strained relationships too much. He is bringing everything under his control. Remember this Palm Sunday, why he turned his face towards Jerusalem, rode that donkey into the heart of the city, right into the face of death. The people thought he was going to take over an earthly Jerusalem to fix an earthly place, but that's not what he was there to do. He was there to bring them a new Jerusalem, a completely new Jerusalem, a heavenly home. And he was there to bring us an eternal home and an eternal perspective. As we end this morning, I, uh, I want to read from Revelation what that home's going to be like, where this new Jerusalem is described for us. And as I read this, I want you to remember that if you have trusted Jesus as your Savior, this is your heavenly reality. And as I read this, I want to ask you to close your eyes and just imagine and think and ponder and meditate on what that heavenly home will be like. And then I'll pray for us. Revelation 21, two through four. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people 
and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Lord God, we thank you for the hope of a heavenly reality. God, you are so much bigger than we can imagine, so much stronger. Uh, When we think about eternity, it's hard for us to even conceptualize. You, God, are great and awesome and glorious, and we give you praise. Lord, we say, save us. Hosanna, save us. I pray for those who have not accepted Jesus as their savior, that they would cry out to you today, that they would cry out knowing that you wanna bring eternal realities and hope into their life here and now. God, I ask that you would forgive us for where we fall short, where we get our eyes focused on earthly things. Help us today to remember that you are so good, that you have given us something so much greater. May that give us hope Enjoy. May we walk out of here today just dripping with the love of Jesus, that those around us may say, where are you from? Why are you so joyful? Why are you so hopeful? Because we know and we understand the realities of eternity are present with us today. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We praise you that he willingly went to the cross on our behalf May that be something that never becomes numb to us as we think about this Easter week and and all the Savior suffered on our behalf. We pray, God, that we would go out of this place today full of hope and joy. In your name we pray, amen.